This is Rainmaker FM, the digital marketing podcast network. It's built on the Rainmaker platform, which empowers you to build your own digital marketing and sales platform. Start your free 14-day trial at rainmakerplatform.com. Jared, are you there? I am here. So the last time you and I met, uh, this this was on this show, which is New Rainmaker with Brian Clark. He was not here. And we kind of made a thing of it. Um, you know, so it's New Rainmaker with Brian Clark, with Robert Bruce, and with Jared Morris. But now, he's here. Right, cue the Empire Strikes Back music, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do we have a license for that? Because that would be awesome. (laughs) Just every time you introduce me, Imperial March. Yes, yes, yes. That would be awesome. Uh, So Jared Morris, VP of Rainmaker FM. Brian Clark, founder and CEO of Copyblogger Media. I'm Robert Bruce, also VP of Rainmaker FM. See, here's the other thing. I've been thinking about titles. Yeah, both your titles are stupid. Well, I found something. I was looking. I don't know where this came from. Um, Silicon Valley job title generator. <laughs> oh, oh boy! No. And it's That's really, it's real really fast. something. Yeah, it's like uh, innovation pioneer. Uh, let's see, engagement superintendent, mobile <laughs> intimacy evangelist. Oh, this is this is one of my favorite. Social media commander. Oh, Ooh. nice. Uh, Very nice. In-house social media savant. Uh, on and on and on. Um, Reddit directress. Jared, the Rainmaker Education Savant. Okay. Yeah, well, it. it sounds like he's going for it. So. Give or take the <laughs> savant part. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, gentlemen, we have been called here to discuss something. We're calling this episode a way better revenue model for podcasting. Uh, Jared, you have been up to some interesting things in terms of this uh, podcast network. Uh, you're kind of uh, pushing the envelope, uh, sending out the the first volley, if you will, for what may be coming uh, for other shows and the and the network as a whole. So thanks for coming on, Brian and I are just going to kind of grill you for a few minutes, uh, if that's okay with you. Perfect. Nothing I love better. So <laughs> I wanted to frame this conversation around the idea of of what. When you think of podcast revenue, when you think of how podcasts have been monetized in the past, what's the first thing that comes up? Ads. Yeah. Sponsorships. Yeah. And how's that going for folks out there? I mean, I think some people are having success with it if they have really big numbers. But I think for the most part, it's pretty disappointing because I think, number one, the metrics haven't been there uh, to really give advertisers numbers that they can trust. And so I think that they've been reluctant to pay well without having those metrics. And that's certainly something that in the podcast industry we're looking to improve on. Um, But I just think it hasn't, it it just hasn't been there. And I think people have, have left feeling like they're not getting the revenue that they feel like they should be getting for what they're investing time and energy in producing their podcast. Yeah, metrics are really interesting. We've had a, a a lot of discussion and kind of reworking of how we're looking at our own metrics on Rainmaker FM. Brian, we've had a couple conversations with Chris Garrett about this, and we made the decision early on that we wanted to land on the conservative side of downloads and plays and things like that. 
Yeah, there's all sorts of intentional and unintentional ways that your download stats can be artificially inflated. So for the network, our network itself, Rainmaker FM, but also for the Rainmaker platform and how it counts downloads, we wanted to make sure that it was legitimate, right? Because yep. there, are, there are issues of caching and all sorts of things that can create duplicate downloads that aren't real. I had a brief conversation with Tom Webster of Edison Research. They are big, big, big into podcasting and podcasting metrics. And I got him and Chris Garrett together so that Tom could actually kind of informally audit our download procedure. And he gave us a thumbs up on how we approached it. So good news there. So advertising, definitely, like you said, Jared, it's the first thing that comes up when we think about money and revenue in relation to podcasting. And frankly, it goes back, you know, over 100 years uh, into radio. In one sense, it can seem like an easy way to get revenue going. And sometimes it can. But it's really interesting because it's it's a little deceptive that way. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into developing relationships with advertisers, um, getting, you know, you're talking about then recurring billing, all kinds of things that kind of add into the mix, which is totally doable. Um, we've decided that we're not going to look at that for for the time being. But advertising has definitely been kind of front and center uh, when you think about these things with with podcasting and money. Brian, we've been talking the last few episodes about something else, and that's the the logged-in experience. Well, the, you know, logged-in experience, I think, is an overall online marketing um, trend, uh, no matter what your business model is. I think in this context, especially with the way you led in with the episode with you know, the dream of sponsorship and advertising, how it turns out to be harder and sometimes less lucrative than people were expecting. Well, that takes me right back to 2007 when I was basically making the same argument to bloggers that instead of relying on, you know, AdSense, otherwise known as Webmaster Welfare, um, <laughs> that they needed to create something to sell. I don't think and, I've heard that one yet. All these really? years, I don't oh, think I've ever heard one, that. Man. That's an wow. old one. But yeah, online courses were the uh, the thing that we were teaching people how to do back then, and it's it, it's as true today as it was then, except more so because again, this hundred and seven billion dollars in online education that'll get uh, sold yeah. this year alone—that's staggering, and that's all happened in the nine years or so since we kind of said, "Hey, this is what's coming." So. Let's just cut to the chase. One of the best ways to monetize any content, but especially audio, is an online course. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a, a real-time case study, uh, Jared, which is why you are here with us today. And that is that you um, and John Naster, your co-host of the Showrunner uh, podcast, mm-hmm. which is at showrunner.fm, if anybody wants to take a look, just launched the Showrunner podcasting course. So tell us briefly what that is, and then we'll get into some nuts and bolts about how you actually built this thing. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the course basically, you know, John and I have over the last four or five years gotten a lot of experience hosting podcasts, developing them, launching them, running them. And I think we obviously through that experience, we've gained a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge. And so 
as we started talking about putting together the the showrunner podcast, and it seemed like a perfect fit for him to be the co-host of that, you know, creating a course and sharing with people what we've learned just seemed like such a natural fit because there are so many people out there who want to start a podcast and they are maybe hesitant about it for a number of reasons. Maybe they're not sure about the future of on-demand audio or they fear getting behind the microphone or they fear how they can use it for a real business purpose, on and on. They fear that the technical part will be too simple. And you know what we've learned just by doing is that none of those are reasons not to start. And there are so many reasons to start that if we can, through what we learn, help people just gain more confidence, gain the simple knowledge that they need to just go out there and start then there are going to be so many benefits that people find from it. And so, and, and that's a, really a lot of the early feedback that we're getting from people is just, you know, loving that little push to get into it and realizing that it's not this really difficult, hard, complicated thing. You know, obviously it requires work ethic and commitment and a lot of that stuff, but that's stuff that anybody can bring to any project. And so, you know, instead of podcasting being this thing over here that only radio people or only certain type of people can do, you know, we really want to show people how anybody can can do it and use it as part of an integrated content marketing experience for their audience. All right. So, Jared, you know, I've created a lot of online courses in my day dating back to uh, 2002, paid and free even before Copyblogger. Quite a few since then. Mr. Bruce has been involved. So naturally, we micromanaged you during the creation of the showrunner <laughs> course. Is that correct? Uh, no, you didn't, which was, which was phenomenal, you know, and, and that's and part of what made this such an energizing and just educational experience, uh, for me and for John was just the freedom to go create it and to really, you know, as podcasters and thinking about what would have helped us when we started really thinking of it from that perspective and, and allowing that to inform how we developed it. Um, but no, I mean, in terms of micromanagement, there was absolutely none of that. <laughs> Probably you might have appreciated some. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe a little help, guys. Yeah. But the, the reason why I find this particular episode to be so uh, interesting to me, because, you know, we haven't really got it to talk about this much. You, you were working hard on it. You got it out. Um, it's in the pilot phase right now. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But mm-hmm. I really want to hear about your experience because you just got – thrown out there at, like anyone else, no more guidance than, you know, other than what's been written, you know, over the years by us, I guess. Yeah. So let's talk about, okay. You talked to Naster. I remember you guys had a conversation when you found out he was joining Rainmaker FM with Hack the Entrepreneur. Start there and, and talk about how you two decided you wanted to do this course. Yeah, I think two things happened simultaneously. When we started Rainmaker FM, I knew that I wanted to do a podcast about podcasting to share what I had learned. And that's how the Showrunner podcast was born. And John, you know, had had ideas about doing a course. He'd been thinking about it. And so when we came together and talked about it, it seemed like the perfect fit because we already knew we were going to have the podcast. You know, we had kind of the seeds of an idea for what to do with a course And it was just the perfect fit. And we knew that we could use the podcast, obviously, to start to build awareness, to build a connection with people, you know, to to demonstrate our knowledge and our experience that would then obviously lead the way for people getting into the course. And so that was that was the idea. And we were extremely excited about it. And then, of course, as soon as we got to go ahead to do the course, there was that moment moment of 
okay, what do we do next? <laughs> you know, like now we've got this idea. Now we've got to we've got to take it forward. But that's really what happened, and and it, it turned out to be, you know, there, there's there's a lot of potential there. I think for it to maybe not work out as well as you hope. You know, working with a new person and that kind of thing. But I think we immediately found out that we had really good chemistry, both in terms of hosting a show together and doing work together, which are two kind of different types of chemistry. Um, but then also just that our ideas and philosophies on it were, were pretty similar. Like there were some differences that I think are instructive, but pretty similar on how we wanted to approach doing it. And so I think that that really helped us to build that momentum early on. What were you thinking about in terms of what you wanted to be in the course? I mean, I know you've been looking around at other courses and John has as well. Uh, but what were some of your ideas in terms of the, the curriculum, uh, at least to start? Because we'll talk later about how this will grow into other things. Yeah, I think there's there's a few different ways that you can take a course on podcasting. And I, I think there are some out there that have focused a lot on the the technical side and getting real heavy into the audio and, and kind of going for that audiophile type. And I think we knew right off the bat that we weren't going to go that route because neither John nor I is that person. You know, we are much more, you know, obviously we understand the importance of having a, a sound that is good enough and, and we know the basics of that. And I think people need to know those and we do teach those in the course. But we also wanted to be much more about the the theory of podcasting, the actual execution of it, the planning of it and how it integrates into a bigger plan, a bigger philosophy. Because I think what we've both found is that with any podcast that we've created, there always comes that moment you get maybe 10 episodes in or 15, 20 episodes in, and you, it, it, you get to this point where it, it maybe just to do the next one, it becomes a little bit more difficult. You hit that, that dip a little bit. And so what we really wanted to do is really teach people how to get over that because you've got a bigger goal in mind because, you know, you've really learned how to connect with an audience and they keep you coming back. And so really try and teach people how to do it over the long term, not just get set up to produce episode one really well, but get people motivated, excited and understanding what it takes to do it over the long term. Yeah. You and I talked a couple of weeks ago about your idea for integrating the public show with the course itself. And I think that would be useful for people to hear. It's funny. He and I actually just had a conversation today about how we're going to change up the podcast a little bit more to do that. I think, you know, I think the whole idea of, of the public showrunner was obviously to the podcast, the showrunner is again, it's, it's to demonstrate what we, what we know and to give people that, that free value and make sure that the podcast itself, obviously not everything is a big call to action for the course. It is valuable in and of itself. So anybody who just wants some really good in-depth information on podcasting, they will get it there. And it's to use that then to build a connection with, with the audience members. Cause I think, you know, when you're going to develop a course and you're going to ask people to invest, uh, you know, a, an amount of money in that course, they need a connection. They need to know that they can trust you and they need to be wanting to take that next step with you to go more in depth. And so I think that's, that was our idea with, with the show was to really, you know, to use it obviously to, you know, for the motivation part, for the excitement, build the enthusiasm, also demonstrate what we know and then get people connected to us to the point where they want to take that next step with us and actually go into the course. So Jared, let me uh, go back a little bit to the collaboration aspect because I know if it weren't for the fact that we have Robert and I generally doing this show, there's a good chance this show might not happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so not only with the showrunner podcast, 
you know, you've got collaboration there between you and John, but also, and I, I know this from experience, having done it myself, it takes a special sort of resolve, whether to write a book <laughs> or yeah. to create a course, you know, it, it's kind of the same exercise. You have to map it out and you have to execute it and you have to show up and you have to be disciplined. But I found when I'm collaborating, it makes it so much more doable. Talk a little bit more about how you guys decided who was doing what, how you motivated each other, any, any insight you can give me on that? Because I think collaboration is a topic people are interested in, and yet they get hung up on how do I find the right person and how does it actually work? Yeah, I mean, I think the fear maybe with collaboration, especially with a new person, is that you can almost detract from each other if you don't have a good working relationship. And I think the great thing with John is that it was, you know, 100% of me, 100% of him, and somehow it became 300%. Like, I think our ability to work together really multiplied what we were able to do. And the way, you know, it really evolved over time because we initially had, you know, this whole Trello board set up with the modules and we split them up evenly with what each one of us was going to do in terms of creating the lessons. And, you know, when we first planned it, you know, it was all about the content and we hadn't yet really thought about the infrastructure of the course, the marketing of the course, getting all that together. And so as we got into it, I kind of realized how much work that was going to be. And then, and so we had to shift a little bit. And so I ended up spending more time, you know, getting the course set up, you know, using the learning management system inside of Rainmaker, working on getting everything ready in terms of marketing and the launch and all of that stuff. And so it ended up working out, well, and also doing a lot of editing for the podcast as well. And so it ended up working out that John was able to spend a lot more time in this initial phase, focusing on getting a lot of the videos and, and the actual course materials done while I worked on kind of putting them together, getting the actual course, it, it, the, the infrastructure of the course itself done. And I think now that we've got it ready, I'll be able to start doing more lessons and more videos, which is the part that, that is really motivating and really exciting. But I think we just, we just had to evolve with it. And obviously, the closer it got to the pilot launch, you know, it, all these things come up that you don't quite realize. And so there's some last minute you know, working. And I think the fact that he knew that I would stay up until whenever on the last week to get it up. And I knew that he would, you know, that, that was really motivating knowing that there's someone else out there really busting their butt to get this content out and, and I've got to do it too. And that, that kind of teamwork was just, was huge. And I, I really think that as people get into the course and even get into the show, you know, that, uh, the, the kind of working relationship he and I have that chemistry, I think is a big thing that people are, attracted to that helps connect them to what we're doing. Um, and I think a lot of that was just born out of a lot of work. And, you know, we'd get on the phone late at night and kind of pump each other up and even recorded it for one bonus episode. And, you know, so we, tr we tried to make it fun and actually invite <laughs> it's people It's all content. In. Yeah. It, yeah. Because <laughs> I don't you know, want to do any work. Okay. Let's record ourselves <laughs> complaining about this. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but we really, we really do want people to see, because it is, I mean, it's a, it's a podcast about podcasting and a course about podcasting. And we want to show people a little bit behind the scenes, how it actually works and relate that sometimes is tough. Like it's, even when you're really enthusiastic about a project, there can be moments where it's tough and it's hard to take the next step. Tell me but about you, it. Yeah. <laughs> but when you're committed to a bigger idea and you're part of a team, it makes it so much easier to take that next step. Yeah. So Robert, um, Jared actually beat you to the punch as far as creating a course out of our new yeah. LMS features of Rainmaker. I think you probably want to 
grill him for some information on that process. Yeah. First, Jared, let me ask you, are you a, uh, would you call yourself a technically inclined person? I mean, no, I, no, I would call myself the opposite of that. Okay. I'm going to give you a couple softballs here, obviously, but, and so when you logged in to Rainmaker FM, we just, uh, you know, somewhat recently released the LMS features. Uh, had you been in there, you know, training with Chris Garrett for hours and no, I was aware of it on a peripheral level, but no, in terms of actually building it in the pieces, I was totally not familiar with it. So you went in there relatively cold. I mean, obviously you're familiar with Rainmaker. Tell us about that experience of actually the technical side of building the course, putting modules together. The first moment was a little overwhelming and it was, (laughs) it was kind of one of those, oh man, what did I just sign up to do? Because, because I just, you know, when you get in there and I think if you just, if you just get into the dashboard and you kind of see the, the little, the, the pieces, it doesn't, for me anyway, the picture didn't quite become clear. I wasn't really sure where to start. And so, you know, my immediate first reaction was almost to go ask Chris, Hey, can you help me out Mm. doing this? But, but I realized how, how silly that would be. And I trusted you know, uh, that our, our developers and, and, you know, our documentation writers probably did a pretty good job of, of walking you through this. I need to just take a step back, take a couple breaths and just take the long road to doing it instead of looking for the shortcut. And so really the first thing I did was just get into the knowledge base. And there is a really nice step-by-step. What really helped actually is there's a, there's a whole section there for the LMS about what you need to set up first, mm-hmm. you know, cause I didn't realize how, uh, I didn't quite understand what the product was called and how that fit into an LMS and that you need to set that up first and then getting the payment stuff set up. And so walking through it step by step, the picture started to become clear. And then I started to see the pieces. And then once you get a course created and then get the module created that goes with that course and you start to see it come together and then the picture became clear. And the nice thing was you know, it was done all with the information that was just there in the back end. I just had to, again, Mm. slow down a little bit and make sure that I read instead of just trying to go out and do it myself, which is a problem I sometimes have. So, you know, feedback from, from you, I know, um, I consulted with Chris Brogan like day one that the learning management system features were out. Um, and we, you know, as always, we spot where people get hung up and what we can do better. So we're already working on actually the knowledge. I did the same thing. I went to the knowledge base. I was like, oh, first steps. Thank you. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, and then I went through it and it was really easy. What we're adding soon is this walk me technology, where as soon as you access that uh, feature set, you start getting prompts that tell you do this first and now this and that. And it's Mm -hmm. it's the same information but you would never have that, you know, that moment of hesitation because you would be greeted by a very friendly interface. And uh, I, I think it's it's pretty clear um, as long as you follow the steps. But I can't wait until it's it's even more intuitive. Yeah, it is. I did. I did find it very clear once I understood it, you know, and now it's nice because I can look at it and really have this sense of pride that. You know, I didn't, I wasn't out asking for all kinds of questions and all kinds of help. You know, there may have been a few, but, you know, to be able to, to put that together. And now it's, now the process is so simple. I'm already kind of itching to go do this on some of my personal projects too, to, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I got in there on further and cause I have an idea for what I want to do with a course. And, uh, yeah, I was all excited because I can do it myself. Now we do have to reveal that our 
very talented friend, Rafal, uh, does do design work for you. But as far as I've heard, Rafal was the only person that kind of gave you assistance building this and that we're actually giving away the showrunner CSS to anyone who wants it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that styling in there will be available to people who want to use it. It's pretty nice. I mean, it's simple, it's clean, just modules and lessons, you know, but that's, that's how an LMS works. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's nice. I'm going to have to snag that for further or, yeah, it's and that's it's and it's actually good. one thing John and I were talking about uh, earlier today. Actually, was how the way that that Rafal styled it and laid it out with the sidebar is one thing that really makes uh, the Showrunner course, I, I guess, different from other courses, especially in the podcasting space, in terms of just organization and being able to to stay organized with a lot of different lessons and modules. Because we have ten different modules, each one has three or four lessons, and we're going to be adding to it. But the way that it's all organized and laid out, and then you can favorite certain ones and you can mark them as complete and do some things like that. I mean, what what Rafal did there really just from a user interface and simplicity perspective really helped out. Yeah, and also the um, approach to how the LMS works in Rainmaker is cool because a lot of online course builders, when you want to add new content, it makes you go through the entire process from the beginning with Rainmaker's LMS, once you have your course created and the modules that go underneath it, you can add a new module anytime you want, just immediately. And you can add lessons to each module right there without going through this convoluted uh, setup process. So really, once you do it once, it really is kind of empowering. Yeah. And well, and I will say this too about adding new modules, the fact that it uses the same kind of standard page edit page as a post or as a podcast, and it's able to fit into that construct, that's very orienting. And it, it's, it was a feeling of safety for me. It's like, okay, now that I'm in here editing a lesson in a, in a module, this stuff all makes, makes sense. So once the bigger picture all came together of how it fit together, which was simply a matter of going through the knowledge base, then actually being able to go in and create the content itself is simple because that's an interface that everybody's familiar with. Yeah, and you're able to add any type of media that you want, video, um, audio, obviously. But uh, the other thing that we're we're working on right now are these LMS uh, templates. So just like our landing page templates, you have all these different styles. Like so, if for some reason someone doesn't like Rafal's, which I find hard <laughs> to what? believe. Who is that? Because <laughs> I love it. But no, I mean, uh, having different options. But uh, as a beginning point, we've gotten lots of feedback about that whole sidebar interface that pulls up the relevant content to the right, or I guess you could do it from the other side. Now, we actually use that metaphor for the free new Rainmaker course that we've had now for a while. And it's very intuitive and it's beautiful. So I've got two more questions, one for you, Jared, and then one final one for you, Brian. Jared, you and I talked a few days ago about, you know, the the bigger idea of this logged in model as it relates to the showrunner podcast and the showrunner, of course, course. And you said something interesting that, that this is just the very kind of kernel of what you hope the showrunner course to be. And... Uh, you started talking about this larger vision for what a quote-unquote showrunner is and how that might affect the course uh, in the future. Yeah, and also, have you thought about how you would use within the free podcast to paid course the marketing automation features? 
I have. So let me let me take that question first, Brian, because the marketing automation features in there are are phenomenal. And I actually already set one up to kind of use as a test. It, because what you can do is basically when people are logged in, now based on actions that they take, you can take actions. And so, you know, John and I want to have a, a few different little kind of uh, uh, surprises or Easter eggs in there when people get to a certain page and complete that content, be able to send them an email and maybe maybe as a follow-up to provide some extra information or an extra push, whatever it is, uh, you can actually go and based on actions people take, put them onto a different email list, you know, segment them uh, so that you can communicate with them in a different way. So yeah, I mean, the, the marketing automation, we've just kind of dipped our toes in the water uh, in terms of how we can use it. But my head is already swimming with ideas, so I'm, I'm excited to get in there and do some more with that. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm looking forward to playing with. You've you got to build the course first, but uh, I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm, I'm going to build a free course. So the marketing automation features are crucial there because you are able to see the different paths and who's a power user and who's not, com- you know, who hasn't completed the lesson and, and tailored that experience for them individually, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it really is, which just allows you to, again, to adapt to that person and give them something more relevant. I mean, it's, you know, you're creating a course for a big, wide group of people and you try and make it as as relevant to everybody as possible. But the more you can learn how people use it and then take them on a path that's relevant to them, uh, obviously, the, you know, the better an experience they're going to have. And, and that really gets on that. Well, the whole idea of an audience experience, Robert, kind of hits on what I was talking about with Showrunner, because... When we first named the podcast that, you know, I thought it was cool just because as a Breaking Bad fan, you know, hearing about Vince Gilligan, the showrunner, that was my first real introduction to the term. And I liked it. It was a cool term. I thought it was applicable. And as, as we've gone down the road now with the showrunner, a couple of things have happened. You know, number one, really understanding the importance of, of connection and, and the creation of this audience experience. But, you know, someone on Twitter a couple of days ago who was running an event just casually referred to herself as a showrunner and she was managing this live event and it really hit me that you know the idea of a showrunner because when you look at it from a tv perspective you know a guy like vince gilligan he is in charge of he has the responsibility for this audience experience for the people who watch breaking bad you know someone who is hosting a live event they're in charge of this audience experience we the showrunner podcast we're in charge of this audience experience so showrunner to me it's not about someone who's in charge of a tv show or a podcast or anything i really think on a larger scale it can be applied to mean anyone who's responsible for an audience experience and there's so many different experiences that that can apply to that's really interesting that you get you got there because when i first thought of um using the term showrunner and outside of television, obviously, it was as a substitute for impresario, which is mm-hmm. the larger concept of putting together talent and resources and creating something new for an audience, right? Yeah. And I, you know, the way that I've started to look at it too, Brian, we did a, a presentation at Content Marketing World about the producer-director talent model, you know, and I really see, you know, I, I see, you know, we've had this idea of the rainmaker, obviously, and I see that person like the producer, and to me, I see the showrunner in that director mold, you know, where they're really out there, they're, they're kind of in between, you know, they're both out there doing it and executing or putting the people in the position to do it, you know, but also there with with the producer, you know, like the, the, the person in your position. I mean, cause you didn't have specific input in this course, but obviously there's a vision that you've charted that we understand the course needs to go into that. And you're clearly supplying resources to help that course 
become a reality. And so it really it kind of it made that presentation make even more sense to me, you know, doing it this way. And that's that's where I see why I really see that term, you know, podcasting being kind of the first of these. But there's there's so many there's so much bigger the, the, the term itself and what yeah. it can mean, I think, to people is so much bigger than that. That's true. That just means your show has more legs. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to stick just to podcasting about podcasting. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just waiting to when I get to be executive producer, which means I do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Brian, um, full circle here, this logged in educational course, either free or paid. Do you see this as a more profitable, better revenue model for podcasting? For anything really. But I think podcasting in particular, because of the portable on-demand nature of the audio, if your audience is used to that from you with your, say, your interview show or, or some other format, and then you're able to take the topic you're talking about and drill down in a much deeper sense, then you've, you've got the perfect medium for a course, you know, and of course get transcripts and, and provide supplemental materials like worksheets and, and things like that. Sure. But if, if you've got an audience that appreciates the audio foundation, then you know how to create premium content. And that's, that's a wonderful thing. And I guarantee you'll make more money than most people make from sponsorships. Jared, any last thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And I think with the podcast, you know, obviously we're with the showrunner podcast, we're creating audio content and there's a certain way that you can teach with the audio content. What the course allows us to do is hit people with different learning styles in different ways. So to create the the action guides and the checklist to do things with videos, it really allows us to expand the way that we're able to teach. So the concepts are in many ways similar on the podcast, but we just in the course, we can go into more depth and we can do it in different ways. So again, people who want to take that next step can. But, uh, and, but I agree completely that, you know, d- d- and I mean, and you've, you know, I've talked about this, Robert, the shows on Rainmaker FM, there's so many episodes I listen to in series of episodes. I'm thinking that's, you know, that's a course right there. Like that would be so easy to train, not easy, but simple, you know, to translate into, into a course. And so I just think it's a natural fit. Yeah. I tend to also use the podcast itself as, as kind of a sounding board, you know, yeah. you you don't go as deep on any one issue as you could, um, but you are getting feedback. You you see where people are getting hung up. You know what to elaborate on. Uh, but, of course, we've been doing that with text content forever. So it, it's really the same thing, different format, and I think it's just so much more. You, you know, when you can actually learn something valuable in a business or marketing sense while you're out on a walk, or doing something else that doesn't require you to stare at a screen, it's pretty valuable stuff. And I think mm-hmm. the market, you know, the, the audio book market is huge. So that is the way a lot of people are, are learning. And as we move into this future of constant lifelong learning, on-demand education, just to keep up with what's happening, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I think it, it's a big deal. 
Jared Morris, thank you for joining us today. You are the harbinger of disruptive innovation at Rainmaker <laughs> FM. Was that another generated title? That's yes, awesome. yes. Brian Clark, the digital sultan of Rainmaker FM. <laughs> sultan, like it. Yeah, I am Robert Bruce. Let's see if I can get a good one here. Uh, online space Sherpa. How's that? Um, can we just randomize these in like our email signature so there's a new one each time? Yes. Yeah, that yeah. would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Digital Lord was another good one. I might go with that, actually. I'll put this in the show notes. Hey, guys, thanks for um, doing this today. And we will see you next week. Jared, I'm sure we're going to see you soon. Oh, absolutely. I hope so. Maybe in place of me, again, executive <laughs> producer, here I come. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. We'll keep the name, though, New Rainmaker with Brian Clark. Yeah, of course. We'll Just keep... And everyone's like, who, who the hell is Brian Clark? Right. It'll be an inside <laughs> thing. He's the human experience evangelist. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs>